From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. Today's text is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 23. Ye are Christ's. Ye are Christ's. You are His by donation, for the Father gave you to the Son. His by His bloody purchase, for He counted down the price for your redemption. His by dedication, for you have consecrated yourself to Him. His by relation, for you are named by His name and made one of His brethren and joint heirs. Labor practically to show the world that you are the servant, the friend, the bride of Jesus. When tempted to sin, reply, I cannot do this great wickedness, for I am Christ's. Immortal principles forbid the friend of Christ to sin. When wealth is before you to be won by sin, say that you are Christ's and touch it not. Are you exposed to difficulties and dangers? Stand fast in the evil day, remembering that you are Christ's. Are you placed where others are sitting down idly, doing nothing? Rise to the work with all your powers, and when the sweat stands upon your brow and you are tempted to loiter, cry, No, I cannot stop, for I am Christ's. If I were not purchased by blood, I might be like Issachar, crouching between two burdens. But I am Christ's, and cannot loiter. When the siren song of pleasure would tempt you from the path of right, reply, Thy music cannot charm me. I am Christ's. When the cause of God invites thee, give thyself to it. When the poor require thee, give thy goods and thyself away, for thou art Christ's. Never belie thy profession." Be thou ever one of those whose manners are Christian, whose speech is like the Nazarene, whose conduct and conversation are so redolent of heaven that all who see you may know that you are the Savior's, recognizing in you his features of love and his countenance of holiness. I am a Roman, was of old a reason for integrity. Far more then let it be your argument for holiness. I am Christ's. Oh, 
He has riches untold. I'm a child of the King, a child of the King. With Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the King. Regular Bible reading is an essential part of the Christian life. In the Holy Scriptures, God has given us everything we need to know for salvation, for spiritual growth, and for the many issues and problems that believers face. However, many Christians do not profit from the Bible as they should because they have no guidance as to how to study it. Several ministers of the Free Presbyterian Church, including Dr. Alan Cairns, produced a brief but very helpful brochure called Ten Commandments of Bible Study, which will help you to gain much blessing from your time in the Holy Scriptures. The method is designed to help believers achieve a comprehensive knowledge of the chapter contents of the Scriptures and to enable them to use that knowledge to guide and quicken them in their personal prayer lives. For a free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us, if you wish, at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Or if you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Increase your knowledge of God's Word by requesting your free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study.
Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns commences a message called The Tide of Virtue and the Touch of Faith, part of this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ. The text will be Matthew chapter 14, verses 34 through 36, a passage that is easily overlooked because it comes between two great miracles. As was often true during his ministry, Christ was thronged by a vast multitude of people when they heard that he had come to their region. Immediately they began bringing great numbers of sick and afflicted folk to him. In their faith they believed that merely touching the hem of Christ's garment would bring healing. Their faith was rewarded, not only with healing of the body, but with the salvation of the soul. The Lord Jesus Christ has virtue enough to meet every need of those who trust in Him. Now here is Dr. Cairns to introduce this message, The Tide of Virtue and the Touch of Faith. As we turn to the Gospels, and we're going to read the same incident in almost the same words in two places. First in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, and then at the end of Matthew chapter 14, Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 53. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered, into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Now in Matthew 14, verse 34 to 36, and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about, and brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to the reading of his precious and inspired word for his name's sake. The last words of Matthew 14 sum up the passage, the message that we want to think on today. As many as touched were made perfectly whole. The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ as our great God and Savior. And he says that he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. The Apostle John pictures the scene in heaven as the saints of God sing the praises of the Lord Jesus. He describes those saints as a great multitude which no man can number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues who stand before the throne 
and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, praising Him and saying in their praises, Salvation unto our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. We may take these scriptures and many, many other scriptures like them as commentaries given by the Holy Spirit on the frequent mentions in the Gospels to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ among the crowds of needy sinners. He is able to save as many as come to God by him. When all is said and done, the picture is that those whom he saves are an innumerable company out of every tribe, tongue, kindred, people, and nation from every place and every epoch in the world. He had a ministry to the crowds, the multitudes of needy sinners who continually thronged his way. This morning we have read of one of those instances in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ when he dealt with a great crowd of people. This is a passage that in the lives that are written about Christ is generally either overlooked or dismissed with very, very scant attention. And uh, that's because simply it falls between two immensely important passages. Before it, you have the story of Christ walking on the water, bidding Peter to do the same, stilling the storm, and then bringing them to the shore. That obviously is one of the most outstanding miracles in the ministry of Christ. And it is not only one of the most outstanding considered in its own time, it is one of the most significant because we all are on a journey across a greater sea than the Sea of Galilee, facing greater storms and greater dangers than the disciples did on that occasion. And the answer for us in our little bark upon our great ocean amidst the mighty storms of life is the answer that came to them when Jesus came walking on the water. And what a tremendous truth it is that the waters never overflow our Savior. The storm never upsets the calm of his eternal purpose. He walks upon the waves, he stills the tempest, and he brings peace to the troubled soul. So that passage is immensely important and everlastingly significant. Then after this, as we'll see as we proceed... In our study of the life of Christ, after this passage that we read this morning, we have what is one of the most radical statements of the Lord Jesus Christ as he dealt with the Pharisees of his day. I say radical because until this particular time in the ministry of Christ, he had not really spoken to the Pharisees as he now speaks to them. So this is a passage that has garnered much attention. And sandwiched in between these two immensely important passages, we have these few verses that speak of 
the return visit of the Lord Jesus Christ to the area around the Sea of Galilee called Nazareth. It's sad that it's overlooked because this passage, I think, reveals Christ in a peculiarly beautiful light and shows the way of salvation and of grace with a particularly beautiful clearness. I want us to think of it very simply today. Arriving on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee after the storm that I have described and that so terrified his disciples, the Lord Jesus Christ was immediately surrounded by crowds of people. People with every kind of disease known to man. People with every kind of trouble. People who made their way hurriedly. Others who had to be carried by their friends, all trying to touch him and to receive the grace and the virtue that flowed from him. As I say, this was a return journey. The Lord Jesus had been there before, so these people knew firsthand of the power and the goodness of the Savior. And so they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, believing if they but touched him or the hem of his garment, sufficient virtue and power would flow to them that they would be healed. Now, that was great faith, and it was not misplaced faith. For thank God, as our text says, as many as touched were made perfectly whole. The word made whole means simply that they were saved. The same verb has uh, been translated that way many times in the New Testament, and that's its fundamental meaning. Here the salvation is physical, but these physical miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ were intended to carry a spiritual message to every healing of a body in the New Testament pictures also the great principles of the saving of a soul. So I want us to consider one simple fact that's obvious in what we have read today. The Lord Jesus Christ gave healing to all who touched even the border of his garment. And from this simple fact, we derive a most important biblical and gospel doctrine. I trust you'll never forget it. The tide of saving virtue flows from Christ at the touch of the hand of faith. There is a mighty tide, and I have used that word deliberately rather than a stream or a flow, because while that would be true, I want you to get the, the thought of immense fullness. There is a mighty tide of virtue that flows from Christ across the world. But that tide of blessing flows to individual souls at the touch of the hand of faith. That's the doctrine. That's the truth. 
that I want us to think of this morning. And the first thing that I have to say is absolutely obvious. Now, preachers are warned against stating the obvious. They are told it is a disaster to state the obvious. If it's obvious, it doesn't need stated. If it's obvious, everybody else already sees it, and therefore they'll go to sleep when you say it. Well, I'm going to break the rule, and I'm going to take time not only stating, but expounding and thinking upon the obvious, because the obvious is the very foundation of our faith. The obvious is the very basis of all our hope and all our joy. And the most obvious truth in this text is simply this, there is virtue enough in the Lord Jesus Christ to meet every need of every sin-sick soul of man. There is virtue enough in the Lord Jesus Christ to meet every need of every sin-sick sinner. His works demonstrate this. Not only so, the men of Gennesaret proved it for themselves. Think of what we have read. It doesn't take much imagination to picture the scene. They came rushing out straightway, Mark tells us. No doubt they brought with them their lepers. They brought with them their paralytics, their blind, their deaf, their dumb men whose very bodies were drenched with the streaming pus of the open sores of corruption. They brought them all. And the glorious truth is, he healed every last one of them. You see, he had the virtue He had the power. He had the needed grace and ability. Thank God I can tell the world today. He has virtue aplenty to do for souls what he did for bodies. There's plenty, fullness indeed, of virtue in Jesus Christ. In him, there is the virtue of his unique person. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ towers over the history of the world as a mighty colossus. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ stands apart from every other person who ever lived in this old world in a total and complete separation. Though he is truly man and bone of our bone, yet his person is so completely different in his moral purity in his personal perfection, as to have no one, not Moses, not Abraham, not even Joseph, against whom we read of God making no accusation, 
Not Peter, James, John, Paul, or the whole lot of them put together. None of them can compare to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is that the basis of the person of Christ is his eternal deity. The Lord Jesus Christ is not merely a son of God in the sense that angels are sons of God. He is not a son by appointment. He is not a son by creation. He is not God's son by God's decree. He is God's son by eternal essence and necessity. God the Son... God did not choose to be a trinity. God essentially, necessarily, changelessly, and eternally is a holy trinity. Jesus Christ is eternal God. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (laughs) 